Thanks for joining our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so already, please click that subscribe button to join our community. That way you get notified each and every week a message pops up. With that being said, we pray that this message encourages and inspires you to take one step closer to Jesus. Welcome back. I'm having a great time. Welcome back to your fourth and final semester at the unnerving University for Terrible Temptations, Tricks, and Traps. I hope you're all having a dreadful day. First things first, how did you do with last week's homework? Were you able to tempt, or trick, or trap, or tantalize any of your humans? You, you little seducing spirit of falsehood. What's your story? M me? Um, uh, I, I, uh... Well, spit uh, it out, you feeble imp! Um, so, your hideousness, I did as you taught, and it worked well at first. Pride began to swell up in the world, and I thought I had him, but then he realized what was happening, and started thinking clearly, and he began to pray, and take the thought captive, Unto, unto, unto Jesus. <laughs> I've told you before, never use that name again. Now you must go wash your mouth out with raw sewage and raw eggs. What about the rest of you? Well. Did you tempt them to think that their co-workers were talking about them? <laughs> Did you show them how clearly everyone thinks they are a fool? Absolutely. Yes. No, I'm sure you did. And none of it worked. Well, did you tell her that everyone knows that she gained 15 pounds last year? And that they think her butts look big in those jeans? <sighs> well then, I will not be made a fool by you sissified spirits who don't know the first device of distortion and deception when dealing with the massacre of these humans. Now, there are still tricks to be taught. And at last, I shall reveal to you moronic misfits, one of my greatest monstrosities. Come close. Let me share with- Not that close! I don't want you touching me with your steely skin and sulfur breath. So, we will tempt them with the whole the God-shaped hole that is within them. But your evilness, what hole? The God-shaped hole that's within every human? They have a God-shaped hole in them? Yes. And until it is filled with God, they will try to fill it with everything else. 
they keep filling it? They often don't notice. So we help them to keep filling the hole? Yes. So what do we convince them to fill it with? <laughs> this is the best part. They fill it with the desires of their greedy little hearts. <gasps> desires they already have. Yes, my human really lusts after the new Range Rover. I've seen the way his eyes glow as one passes by. He simply drools with envy. But he just can't afford it. Yes, but with credit, he can seek the pleasures of the now. And when the bill overwhelms him, he'll be ours. It's a win-win. <laughs> I get it. My human considers himself a pastor, a spiritual fellow. But he loves shoes. So all I have to do is convince him to buy more and more and more. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly! Keep them plundering around in the pond of superficial materialism and their eyes will remain dark and dim to the realities of their eternal rewards. You know, the rewards their father promises them in heaven. <laughs> Scurry off now, you treacherous little imps. Find your victims and make them materialistic! <laughs> Morning, risers. How are we doing this morning? Good. Well, my name is Ken. I get the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Arise, and we're going to continue to experience God. And man, I feel good this morning, don't you? Yeah. You know, there, there's a thought going around, and I just kind of want to share that with you. You know, you, you want, uh, no, you need everything. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It seems like I missed the best part. Sorry I'm late. There was this guy that I was leading to being offended by his wife. And then he started watching porn while driving. <laughs> Let's just say that ended with a bang. But do, please do continue. I'm excited. You know, everybody wants everything. Everybody needs everything. Continue. You, know, you ever have one of those thoughts that all of a sudden when you think it, it just seems like a dark cloud comes into the room? <laughs> Here's why. It's because it's a shadow of this world. It's a shape of this world. It's a way that this world wants you to think. In fact, this world wants us to think that way, that we want, no, we need everything. It's in every communication that they give to us. I mean, look at the music videos, right? Look, look at the movies. Look at, look at the TV shows. Look at the breaks between the TV shows. I mean, one of those breaks will tell you that if you eat this candy bar, then you can change your attitude. And you can even take on a whole new personality. <laughs> or, Pastor Brent, we have found the secret to your abs. If you will wear this deodorant, then you can sit shirtless on a white stallion and have great abs and smell like a man. I tried it, it didn't work. Oh, he said he tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> or how about this? How about cars that make you look like you drive a luxury car? Or maybe this beer that makes you desirable to women who are half your age. Sure. Or, you know, there's this one energy drink that if you climb to the top of a, a tall building, it gives you wings, so you certainly you can jump off, right? 
Or maybe if you open a Coke, like this ad says, you open happiness. Well, the world will sell you this. They'll sell you this idea, and it will create in you the idea that things will satisfy us. That they'll solve this thing in our hearts. Because they will. <laughs> Come on, it is so satisfying to park your Tesla, brand new red Tesla, right next to a crap car. Or when you show up to dinner with not one, not two, but three girlfriends. And ladies, the gold carrot ring. I mean, honestly. And when you know that you make more money than the idiot in the cubicle next to you, you know you deserve it all, so take it. You know, it's so funny when someone tries to sell you the very tool that they're going to use to try to destroy you. And we've bought into it as Americans. We've bought into this idea that, that things are the most important thing. Let me prove to you how we've bought into it. In 2019, consumers in the United States alone spent $5.7 trillion, trillion, trillion dollars on retail goods. Now understand that retail goods are not food and they are not large object purchases like homes. It's retail. $5.7 trillion a year. But it's not enough. Because we go out and we spend it again the next year. We spend it again the next year. It becomes this treadmill where we want to hit speed 11, but it only goes to 10. And so when it's not enough, and I can't have enough, then some fall into this temptation of taking from others. In fact, in 2019, over $13 trillion in the United States in goods were reported stolen. Now understand, do the math here. If you look at the one above it, we're looking at two and a half times the amount of retail dollars purchased was actually stolen in the U.S. Why? Because this world will sell you the idea, you, what you fight to get, you're going to have to fight to keep. You're going to have to fight to keep yours, fight to get yours. This is a, a worldly idea. But see, here's what happens. We find out that this stuff, it breaks. Listen, yo, that transmission in that beautiful car of yours is going to go out at some point. That beautiful stainless steel refrigerator, the ice maker will stop working. <laughs> Isn't that the most annoying thing? And where does it end up? It ends up in the dump, along with 254 million tons of other stuff every year. That's 508 billion pounds of items that Americans throw away every year. Because we're consumed with this idea that stuff will solve our problems. Stuff will make us happy. What is that called? It's called greed. It's the grab for more. It's the, the want. American author John Wilhelm Van de Wittering, don't say that three times, that will get you to cuss or something. It's, he said it like this. He said, greed is a fat demon with a small mouth, and whatever you feed is never enough. Let me say that again. Greed is a fat demon with a small mouth, and whatever you feed it, it is never enough. This is how it works in our life. See, Scripture talks about this too. There was a man who was a doctor 
who became a follower of Jesus, who decided to tell a story. He, he collected stories from the apostles and those who walked with Jesus and decided to write it all down. And one of those stories is found in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to tackle and wrestle through some of that today. But the first idea that we really need to wrestle with is this idea that, that greed can also be called something else. And that's materialism. Materialism is this idea that only the material world matters. And so it's most important. So those things that I can get are more important than anything that is non-material. And I'm going to chase after those things first. It's become a philosophy and a way of living for some people. And materialism will sneak up on all of us. It will sneak into all of our hearts because it's sneaky like that. Let's look at Luke 12, verse 13, see what Jesus says. And someone from the crowd said, called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every type of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This is ridiculous, okay? You are not greedy. You are not materialistic. You just need things. I mean, everybody needs things. How else are you going to provide for your family? How else are you going to get the girl that you want? The world revolves around money. So get as much of it as you can. See, here's the thing. No one ever thinks they're greedy. I bet if we pulled everybody in this room, we would all say, no, I'm not greedy. But greedy, greed is humanity's blind spot. We can never point out the greed in our life. It's hard to. But let me tell you, if you want to figure out the greed in your life, figure out where you argue with your spouse about money. Because that's your place of greed. Mine is my retirement. And no, retirement's not bad. But greed is something that consumes your thoughts and consumes your mind. See, Andy Stanley defines it as this. Greed is the assumption that our excess is for our consumption. It's the assumption that what I have left, it's what I have above and beyond my bills, is allowed for me to decide whatever I want to do to consume that. That's greed. And it is a spot that is a blind spot. It sits in that blind spot of our car. And it sneaks right up on us and tackles us. And it comes after all of us. We often mask our materialism by claiming we're on a righteous path. We say things like, I worked hard for that raise. Or, I I deserve to treat myself a little bit. Here's the thing. The man in our passage was saying the same thing. This man that went to Jesus and called out to Jesus, he was actually asking for Jesus to, to make a judgment between his brother and him that was right, that was just. Hebrew law basically said that when a father died, that the older brother would get two-thirds of the estate and the younger brother would get one-third. This young man was just asking for Jesus to, hey, ask my brother to do what he's supposed to do and give me my part. This was not him being necessarily trying to get something that wasn't his. He was just trying to get his. And what did Jesus call it? Greed. Why? Well, because Jesus looked beyond what the man was asking for and looked into his heart. And see, his brother, this brother, this young man was willing to fight someone to get something. 
not willing to fight something to save someone. And Jesus said, that's greed. When you take things and you put them above the things that are most important, the things that will last, that's greed, that's materialism. And that's the battle that we all fight. See, our love of money can be seen in how we think of those who have more or have less than us. How do you think of Jeff Bezos? What do you think of him? What do you think of the owner of Microsoft, Bill Gates, and all of his money? But, but see, it's easy to, to not have a problem with them, but what, what do you think of your boss and how much they make? Because it's also easy to sit in your cubicle and go, why did they get paid so much? What do they really even do anyway? You know I do, I do more than anything. And you know if I wasn't here, this company would fall apart. That's greed. That's materialism. Or maybe yours doesn't come out when looking at people who have more than you. Maybe yours comes out when looking at people who have less than you. Maybe it's when you drive by that gentleman who's sitting at the side of the road with a sign. And your first thought is, I bet he's driving a Mercedes. If he'd just go get a job, a real job, he wouldn't have this problem. That's greed and materialism too. See, greed is how we see those who have more or less than us. If we see it based on material things, that's greed. That's materialism. We often don't realize that money actually won't satisfy. Things won't satisfy. You silly, naive pastor. He knows nothing. If you want something, take it. It'll fill the hole. It'll fulfill your desires, your needs. After all, the one you should be looking out for the most is yourself. Hmm, that's funny. How'd that work out when your master wanted God's throne? (laughs) Let's look and see what scripture says, because I think Jesus has the right words to say to this. Verse 22 says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such little things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. See, there is a hole inside of us because God created us that way. But he created us so that he could fill it. And too often we try to fill that God-sized hole with man-made things expecting for it to satisfy us. But it never will. It never will. And you may say, oh, Pastor Ken, that's not me. I'm not greedy. I don't want anything that somebody else has. I don't don't covet what my neighbor has. I, I I don't want anything that's out of my league. I'm not greedy. I'm just worried about my feeding my family. Well, you look at what Jesus said here. He's basically saying that greed and worry come from the same family. They're related. 
greed and worry come from the same kingdom. They come from the same place. See, greed says, I can never get enough, but worry is afraid it will never have enough. Sounds an awful lot alike. And too often we mask our greed in worry and think that it's okay. I'm just worried. Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. See, we judge ourselves and others based on this fulcrum of material goods. Picture with me a teeter-totter. You guys remember a teeter-totter? It's the one that you always, uh, I, I was always the big guy, so I always sat on the side that always went down, right? I'm the big brother, so all my brothers ended up sitting in the air the whole time, and I was down on the floor the whole time. You remember that? Okay, well, too often we judge based on this fulcrum. What's in the middle is the fulcrum of material goods. We judge whether we're worried about things, or we judge whether we're greedy about things. And, oh, I sit on the worried, Pastor. I don't sit on the greed. Well, the problem is Jesus said it's all wrong because you're sitting on the wrong fulcrum. You're basing it on the wrong things. You're basing it on things. When Jesus says you should pick up the board and put it on the right fulcrum, the right fulcrum is his kingdom. That's what we should be worried about. See, the thing is, is worry never adds anything to my life. Worry is only taken away from my life. It will take away your years. It will take away the color in your hair. It will take away your hair altogether. It will take away the smoothness of your face. And ultimately, it will take your life. This is what worry does. It doesn't add. It takes away. So how do we resolve this? How do we solve this issue? Well, there's a simple solution. Instead of pursuing the things of this world, the things that that this world will sell you and try to convince you that you should run after, that you should sell your life and run this rat race to accomplish, put all that away and pursue God's kingdom instead. Because here's the thing. When we pursue God's kingdom acquire richness toward him. He will make us rich toward him. And guess what? That will last forever. Jesus said it like this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now notice he didn't say to give you the worldly empire and all the things of this world. He said give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Wow. We're going to come back to that. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. See, you cannot pursue both treasures. You cannot pursue the treasures of man and the treasures of heaven at the same time. It's impossible. Why would you want something that you can't touch, that you can't see? The only thing worth pursuing is what is right in front of you. So get that raise, get the car, get the jewelry, get the girl, and all of your desires will come true. After all, if you can't afford it, use credit. See, it sounds just like somebody who's jealous because they can't have a part of God's kingdom anyway. All she gets is the world's kingdom. We've got to pursue God's kingdom. Pursue the riches of his kingdom. But understand that pursuing the earthly riches will keep you from pursuing God's kingdom and it will keep you from acquiring God's kingdom. 
Jesus even said it like this, that a rich man can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because a rich man oftentimes won't even unload his camel to get through the gate, the eye of the needle. It's a big story on that. You can ask me later. A rich man can't. Now, here's the thing. If you pursue God, then God may add to you things. You may end up acquiring wealth. But understand this. When we pursue God, that's not for us. It's for him. It's not for my consumption. It's for his. It's for his kingdom. Not my empire. See, I titled this today, Not My Empire, because that's the big idea. We're not building an empire here. My home isn't here. I'm building his kingdom because his kingdom calls me to greater and it calls me beyond. See, these two pursuits, pursuing worldly treasures or God's kingdom, they will compete for your time, your energy, and your heart. They will pull you away from the pursuit of the other one. But this was never God's intention for you. God's intention for you was not that you have all of your focus solely on this world's possessions. God's intention for you is that your attention be on his kingdom. That's his intention. God's desire for you is that we take our eyes and turn them from the material goods, turn them from the things, and turn them to him and to listen to his voice, to hear what he's calling us to do, to pay attention to him. Because our life isn't judged by the abundance of things we possess. Let me say that again. Our our life isn't going to be judged by the abundance of things that we possess. See, investing in God's priorities will produce treasure in heaven. God gave us a secret. Jesus gave us a secret in this passage. How to win. Would you like to know how to beat materialism in our life? Good. Pastor Brent wants to know that's Yes. How about the rest of y'all? Y'all want to know how to beat this thing? Because it's coming after us. This world is coming after us to try to get us to think and to treat things the way that they treat them and think. The way that we beat materialism is to develop a lifestyle of giving. See, a lifestyle of giving is the antidote and the cure for materialism. It cancels materialism. Now, this is not to say, I'm just going to give this one time and I I give and God, materialism, God, that's not how it works. It's developing a lifestyle that says, the things that I have are not for me. They're for God's kingdom. You know what? I'm going to be sick. And this is what happens. (laughs) See, when you begin to give... When you begin to develop this lifestyle of I'm going to give, the enemy can't handle it and the spirit of materialism has to run and flee. He can't stand in the presence of a giving heart. So you want to defeat materialism in your life. You want to defeat materialism in the ideas of this world. Develop a giving heart and understand I'm not just talking about giving in the church. We ain't taking another offering this morning. I'm not getting ready to call the ushers forward. That's important. That's a place to give. You're supposed to do that. But it can't stop there. It's a lifestyle of giving. See, I'm talking about the type of giving that wrecks you because you look over at a gas station and you see somebody who's standing there wondering how they're going to pay for a tank of gas and you walk over and give. I'm talking about the kind of giving that says, I see this person with a grocery cart 
standing in line behind me or in front of me, and the Holy Spirit is just moving on my heart, I've got to pay for their groceries I'm going to give. See, it's this lifestyle of giving that says, I will not assume that anything left over, that anything that I have is for my consumption. I'm going to assume it's for his kingdom. This is the lifestyle we have to have. See, Jesus told a story about a man who was blessed with a rich harvest. He told it right in this passage. It's right between some of the verses that we read today. And this man had an amazing harvest of crop. And he took this crop and he brought it into his, his storehouse, but his storehouse wasn't big enough. And he said, what do, what do I do with all this food? And he wrestled with it and his decision came to be, you know what? I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can store more of this crop so that... I can take my ease and drink and be happy and merry. How did Jesus respond to that? Verse 20 of chapter 12 says this, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. See, here's the thing. This man thought that he had all of his problems solved. He thought that because he had stuff, because he was able to buy the new fancy camel, because he was able to get enough food for his family and even more, he thought that he had paid all of his debt and he owed nothing to anyone and he could live at ease. He didn't realize he owed God everything. He didn't realize that he owed God his livelihood. He didn't realize that he owed God all of his fields. He didn't realize that he owed God his life and his soul. And that his debt was about to be called in that night. And when his debt was called in, he had nothing to pay it with it. Because all the grain that he had stored, it wouldn't cover the debt. That's not what God was looking for. What God is looking for is a relationship with him. God doesn't judge you by what kind of car you drive. He doesn't judge you by the makeup you wear. He doesn't judge you by the shoes that you're wearing. He doesn't judge you by, by how much you eat. He doesn't judge you by any of that stuff. God is looking to say, do you have a relationship with me? In fact, Jesus says it like this. The most important treasure one can have is a rich relationship with God. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you a question. What do you want from this world? What are you going to build in this world? Where do you want your heart? Do you want it pursuing God and His kingdom? Or do you want it pursuing your empire? There's a choice that sits between us today. Will I pursue God 
Will I pursue his heart? Or will I put, pursue my kingdom, my empire? Thank you for watching this message today. We ask that you hit the subscribe button and share this message on all social platforms. Man, we are hoping that you were encouraged and blessed by what you heard. And we cannot wait to see you next time.